0: Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga And this is episode number 650 That's 650 of the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga And I hope this podcast is finding you well Wherever you may be, I hope it's finding you splendid How am I? All good, all things considered I cannot complain, I cannot bloody complain So, how's life been going? All good, not gonna lie Since I got back from Berlin, it's been absolutely Kind of refreshing to kind of be back to my normal scheduled programming. I think I've said it many a times on here before. I think I did have a dream in the past to live there. I think it probably would have been best to have done it when we were obviously still in the EU, obviously the UK. Now it's gonna become completely you know complicated to make that work unless, of course, I was able to kind of you know do the kind of like um working somewhere remotely for like twenty nine days per location to kind of go over the thirty odd days, so you don't have to have residency and blah blah blah. That made it work, but in terms of moving. Apparently that ship has kind of sailed But I do enjoy having the ability to kind of pop over there And go there for a weekend And kind of get booty and come back home but one thing you realize when you go over there i think now that i've kind of progressed in years and my kind of relationships with you know or my link or my association or my love for clubbing has kind of evolved over time especially me you know trying to pursue the dj thing promoting um, talking about the events that i talk about here and just approaching events in a more sort of a gig type thing it's hard to do sometimes because i've said it plenty of times before going to an actual nightclub sober um is quite a hellish experience especially if you're going to just listen to somebody play music it's not the greatest i'm not going to lie but it can be done because of that i feel like when i go there it's not as like make or break or like wowie and because i've gone a lot of times anyway but i think in general techno tourism it's like such a thing i think you should really take advantage of when you're young and i think if anybody out there is really kind of struggling or is a bit scared or worried i think you shouldn't be you should try to get those worries um out of your system as soon as possible and just try it Honestly, try it because some of my greatest experiences have been traveling solo. Some of my best, greatest experiences have been meeting cool, interesting people from different places who we all share this common, you know, interest in terms of dance music. And it legitimately has added a lot of benefit to my life overall. Like I really do think it's kind of been one of the most important things in my life overall. That's kind of made me who I am. Apart from maybe streetwear, apart from getting into art early, apart from being into design and shit, all those kind of things I think opened up my worldview because. If not, I would have just been stuck in my little, you know, my little kind of tunnel visioned, small bubble of living in ends. But because I had all these little outlets I was interested in, it kind of naturally and being a curious person and ready, willing to take a risk, it make it basically open up all these little different universes that I could kind of explore. And obviously, dance music being the best one, so I think if you're a young person now. And you honestly don't really know where to go, and you just want to figure stuff out. It doesn't even have to be about dance music, just in terms of life, you really should try your best to just save a couple of hundred quid, a couple of hundred euros, maybe every month or whatnot, and just decide to go to one place where people say the dance music scene is pretty cool. And usually you'll find a lot of other young people there who share similar sort of interests. So you could pick anywhere between Berlin, you could go to Amsterdam, you could go to Paris, you can go to Copenhagen, you can go to all these different places where the scene is pretty established and pretty well uh, run and there's all these cool parties and cool djs that go and play there and just experience what it's like there and just kind of bring that experience back into the other stuff that you do but going back to what i was saying i think when i go there now it's not as make or break and it's not maybe as wowy as it was before and also i start to appreciate the kind of variety that we have here in london i think i've said it many a times i think maybe in berlin they have the best infrastructure for clubbing they maybe have the best um attitude towards drugs and alcohol and just raving in general i've not i've you know, spoken to another friend who actually mentioned that they feel as if the people in amsterdam are actually got a better handle on it that like they don't get too messed up they know how to handle their drinks and their drugs and how to rave properly it's just like a whole another level of in amsterdam which i haven't been yet that's another place i need to go to on my list but overall i feel like what we have here in the uk we have better variety in terms of genres we can go and see and i think that just kind of freshens things up a bit and kinda of gives you more options. Whereas I feel like in Berlin it's a little bit one note, right? If it's not if it's not techno, then it's house. If it's not house, then it's disco. And it's that's it really. And of course they have a really big live um, sort of scene going on there in terms of underground artists, the hip hop scene there is really blowing up, the trap scene there is really blowing up, and just other things as well they're doing outside of it. But I feel like those three genres did techno be number one, house maybe being second, and maybe of course disco are the only things that are running that place. But again, you just over, you feel this overwhelming arching you know feel of like dark techno bass thing running through that place so my only reflection coming back from there has been like you know as great as it is to go it's quite nice, I think, when I do go there with the idea of going to these other things so I can experience the city in another way. So when I went, you know, previously, of course, I went for the main reason to go see Toy party. And then this time, if I go again, I'll probably have to go see, to go to a powerhouse party at Paloma Bar that I've been raving about for ages. So obviously organized by Finn Johansson. And usually he kind of, the ones I enjoy the best are the ones where he has flipping DJ Pete playing alongside him. But sometimes he's had loads of different people. He's had Cindy's, so I've always other people playing with him. But when he goes back to back with DJ Pete, You know, over there at Paloma it's legitimately one of the best experiences ever. So I can't wait to go back to there. But I think that might be a better way to kind of enjoy and kind of refreshen my love of Berlin to go to different places. But hey, what do I know? moving on from that one we want to jump into some topics to talk about because I feel this is quite an interesting sort of like change in pace and not change in pace there's quite an interesting sort of development happening with festivals here in London and this is this kind of thing happening so this is courtesy of RA and says Fabric unveils exodus location and adds new names so if you're not aware um, Fabric was teasing for a while that they're going to be launching their own festival and it looks like you know basically everybody under the uh, basically everybody and their mum is launching a festival and I kind of you know because I'm a bit slow but i only realized the reason why they're doing it is because it's a great way to kind of get around the draconian time constraints that we have here in london because for the most part with with some exception and i think fabric may be one of them the other one may be fold another one may be egg and maybe there's another place in south i think the victoria or something but there's not many clubs in london that are open past 4 a.m or past five or past six. They all close around before that time, way before that time. So if you're an event person, so if you're a person that owns a venue, or if you're a booker, it becomes really difficult to book people because some of the better people now playing nowadays prefer to play longer sets and also people's going out habits here in the UK They tend to go out later. So, you know, it's hard to get people into a club before 10.30 essentially. And you could, you know, you better your limited and then every half an hour that goes by or hour, you're limiting the amount of time a DJ can play and the people can come out and see them. But then a festival, especially a day festival that goes into the late nights into when it closes is the best kind of way to kind of get around it because you can start really early and then you can end kind of late but it does allow you a broader range or a longer range of time to kind of get people slotted in. And obviously, again, um, if it's an outdoor festival too, you can kind of get around and play with some of the noise pollution complaints too you may have in clubs and whatnot, especially if it's a bit far out, because that's what happened with Junction 2, it felt like. Because Junction 2 was like under, again, maybe it's a placebo, maybe it's a real thing, but I felt like the first time I went to Junction 2, one of the things that really set off for me was the sound. And the fact that it was like in the middle of a park underneath a motorway, I think it kind of let them kind of be a little bit more, take a bit more risk and have, you know, go a little bit more crazy with the meter, right? And let it kind of bleed into red for a bit here and there, because it was not really next to any residential place, especially the the festival main bit. I think there was a bit that kind of faced the residential area, but the main part of it felt like it was kind of a way. So it kind of allowed people to sort of, you know, be able to kind of really crank up the volume. And I flipping love that sort of stuff. I absolutely loved it. So, anyway that being said um it says here fabric has unveiled the exodus location as new name so let's go through this R A article it says london fabric has announced their location and more names for the debut festival exodus new artists joining the bill for the july event include and big up Anne's man this club has been amazing i feel like i was a big fan of her for a while anyway but then i think again this is just me talking from my point of view i get the feeling that that i don't know what she did it was like a live stream i think it was a boiler room and I think the Blessed Madonna was also playing on the same lineup, and she definitely had the most, the best standout I thought, set of everybody on that lineup. And I don't know what event it was. Maybe it was a boiler room thing. Maybe it was a pandemic thing. I don't know what it was, but I do remember her smashing it. And I felt like ever since that one appearance, her flipping star has just gone. Shh. Jamie into stratosphere it's been absolutely crazy to see so big up her Um you got DJ Ram you got Shy One big up Shy One you got a guy called Gerald um, you got DJ Holographic who seems to be on every big UK land festival thing she again a, a Detroit kind of like up and coming star and people kind of have a lot of time for her but I feel like I don't know what happened but whoever's her agent has done a splendid job she got used to this UK market and has been killing her ever since I don't know if she lives here but it feels like every half decent festival um, she seems to be somebody that people they slot in there so big up her Chaos in the CBD I know a lot of people Like chaos CBD But to be honest They're not really for me They sort of seem like a Like a um, What you call it Like a Like a happy go Happy go lucky version Of like Tale of Us Right They kind of feel like a Tale of Us What do they feel like If, if, I, if I can make an example out of it <laughs> They kind of feel like, to me, um, what do they feel like? Like a H&M version of Taylor of Us or something. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what they feel like. Or like, yeah, like a Matthew Buxton version of Taylor of Us. If Taylor of Us are like, I don't know, wearing Rick Owens... CBD. I feel like I'm wearing Matthew Buxton and Fear of God. That's what they kind of mean that to me. Anyway, it continues. Cobblestone Jazz, Dr. Banana is also playing and back-to-back with Anna Wall. Scheduled for July 8th and 9th, Excess will take place in Kel- it's a Calvidian Hall, 45 minutes train from London, Liverpool Station. The program will be spread across five woodboard woodland stages. The new additions join previously announced guests as Ricardo Villalobos, Jersey Rebel, Big Up Jersey Rebel, D-Bridge, um, Amelia and his lineup again. On the list, okay, decent lineup. I love the one thing I want to quickly mention is this um, phrasing of forty-five minutes by train from London Liverpool Street Station. That's a strong forty-five minutes still. That's basically the same amount of time, just under it takes to get from Liverpool Street Station to Stansted right Stanford Airport so on the Stanford Express so it's still a bit of a mission to get there and I'm imagining from the station to the place is also not going to be a five minute walk if it's going to be out there but from what I've been able to just see as I quickly peeked on my phone it's essentially on the way to go to like um to Chelmsford uh where, where is it in I've never been in this area but I've been to Chelmsford before but I've never been in this area but it's kind of like just a little bit outside of Havering um was it near actually area wise uh, it's near a place called Chipping Ongar, so it's kind of like this kind of feels like a little bit of the the kind of the Essex type place where people live. It's not really Essex, but the people that you know, the East Londoners that I know who live here and want to kind of you know get a house with a with a flipping astro turf garden and whatnot and a and a and a driveway they can fit two of their cars in. They usually moved in a sort of direction. But I'm assuming if it is at these places and there's loads of grass and loads of greenery here, there should be an option for them to kind of really go crazy with the flipping sound. So that may be the good option there. And there's also, if I'm just mistaken here, next to the flipping Calvidian Hall, there's a Calvidian Hatch, a secret nuclear bunker that you can visit. So it's gonna, it might be quite fun. The program also spread a wood for woodlands. So there's the programming, the Richard Calvillo kind of boss, as I mentioned before. Anyway, so lineup wise. Lineup wise I'm not really mad at it. I've got to be honest. I think the Saturday is pretty decent. You've got Halo, Corpus and Jab Live. You've got Craig Richards playing back-to-back with Ricardo Lobos. I don't think you can get, you know, I don't think you could get any worse than that. I feel like Craig Richards is always a really good anecdote or really good balance to Ricardo Lobos' craziness and just unpredictability. And he's just freestyle nature. I feel like they kind of complement each other really well. And also, Craig Richards can also get a bit silly if he wants to be on the decks. But I always feel like Craig Richards is a really good... Um, you know, um, compliment to Ricardo's style, and obviously they known each other for years of fabric connection. But I always enjoy their sets together. You got a person called Francesco the Del- 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 Delgada, who I'm not really too sure of. You got Peach and Sugar Free. Huh, interesting lineup, isn't it, that Saturday? interesting um then in the bunker you've got ash lauren you've got and cbd you've got Ke- chloe chalet dj holographic shy one d bridge in a reflections room ek ellie ellie Eliakula, akula and ski mask that's a really odd lineup that isn't it in terms of everything going on right these are very like again techno-y I think one of these ladies isn't, is, is ellie akula signed to um what's that label called oh um fiac or something right isn't she i'm I'm not too sure but either way it's a very interesting lineup of course ski mask um that would be someone i'd be i'd like to see out there and then in sean's yard you got Anne's chloe robinson back-to-back with dj adh big up chloe robinson you got dj assault joe's rebel and unique record store you got amelia back-to-back at hutch bobby with a dot you got georgia you got harry harry mccannan harry mccannan harry Harry mccannan Back to Back of Truly, Madly you got Obi and Thomas Station Okay and then on Sunday you've got Anna Wall, Artwork, Fatima Yamaha Ross from Friends, Special Guest and a bunker stage. You got Daniel Peslo, MCD. He, it's funny that he's had to change his name in it. That was all because of the cancellation or the mini cancellation of flipping the Black Madonna, who is now the Blessed Madonna. And I think at the same time, people were complaining about Motor City Drum Ensemble's name because I'm sure Motor City Drum Ensemble refers to Detroit. Detroit being the home of black. Detroit being the home of techno, not black techno. <laughs> pretty sure her being the home of techno, and obviously a lot of people that are for that sort of like push of like you know represent representation and you know acknowledging the truth and the roots of history of, of techno. Seeing somebody who's very white in MCDE have that name is kind of stuck them wrong. So he guess he changed it by force. I'm not too sure of voluntarily, but I feel like it happened at the same time as um as yeah the best Madonna got forced to change her name. Um obviously formerly back Madonna, but I always wondered how come no one came after Jamaica Sook <laughs> maybe that's a mad example but Jamaica Suk, I always thought like huh, maybe it's just a name is it like you know white girls love to have the names Jamaica Paris India and shit um, but yeah it continues another person here playing is Josh Cafe you got Kink playing live Seth Troxler this is the good thing about it being a fabric event because they've got the relationship with all these artists they can book a really strong lineup of, festi- of festival acts because as a first debut festival this is pretty weighty yeah, this is really good. Um, Seth Trucks are playing on the bunker stage. Reflection, you got a Devious One playing. Imogen, Karen, Tape Feed and Volvox. That might be one of the that might be the best stage so far I've seen on here in terms of balance and how they complement each other. This might be the best one. Devious One, Imogen, Karen in Tape Feed and Volvox. That might, be, that might be the best one. Another one you've got here, Sean's Yard. This is going to be the one full of the shufflers and people on the pingers and mad balloons, it looks like. You've got Jaden Thompson, you've got Silver Lining, Terry Francis, Trauma, Tiny Back-to-Back with the Dude, MD. This is definitely one for the shufflers. And then Record Store, last one, you've got a guy called Gerald, Dr. Banana Back-to-Back with Dan, Anna Hall, Instinct, Mantra Back-to-Back back with Tasha, and Max Sinnoh. So a pretty decent lineup of people playing and stuff. So yeah, I'm just interested to see how these get received. Because like I said, I've, these are a little bit of a cheat code to get more people to get more people to play overseas throughout a day and obviously give them longer set and also to kind of squeeze as much as you can at people that you're booking. Um, and of course for punters, it's good too because you can get all your raving out basically in a day and you don't need to kind of carry it onto the night and whatnot. That might be a good one. I just want to double check and see what the prices are like for this event. I didn't actually see. But the prices for this event... Well, I can see here. Um, they've got Fabric First members, of course, thirty-five. Let's just see normal tickets. So weekend ticket is only what hundred and eleven pounds, or like ninety pounds for a ticket plus eleven thirty for the booking fee. That isn't too bad to be fair. That £11.30 booking fee is wide. I wonder why they go up incrementally booking fees. Why don't you just have like a flat rate? But I guess if you can charge whatever you want to charge, you're going to charge, you can charge it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Weekend ticket is £90, and then for the day tickets are 45 I'm assuming, um, on all of them. And if you get early access, entry before 1pm, which is psychotic really, but hey, that means you're living in your house at what, like 10am or some shit. Whoa. So um, yeah, it starts at 11 actually. It starts at 11 and it ends at 11. So that's pretty good. So this, this is longer than what it would be in London. Because I feel like London Festival will make you end at 10. So that extra hour is pretty decent. Because that means if you want to be cheeky and really go for it you could go to exodus enjoy yourself for the day come back and go raving again somewhere else you'd be absolutely steaming I'm, I'm sure british people unfortunately we just haven't got the well, i know i don't have the capacity to bounce around places like that but i know some people out there do so if you can you're going to be enjoying that one for sure going forward but yeah the lineup is pretty sick really good interesting balanced lineup i feel like the program is done really well in each of the different stages and if anything it feels like a place where it's not just like the main stages that are the ones that you should be going to, like, you know, like, don't get me wrong, all the, all the front sides look kind of similar anyway, but you know, some festivals make it seem like, this is the stage you should be at. It's like, no, nah, there's actually some stages here that are smaller, Quote unquote, but they're actually the ones I would go and check out At like this one, the reflection stage on Sunday That is absolutely mad And maybe even the reflection stage on flipping Saturday Might be mad also But these are actually quite mad stages The kind of smaller ones Or even this one, the Bunko and the Sunday also uh, If I had to pick one or the other I'd probably say I'd go to both over the weekend I think £90, you can't go wrong really You get to see Craig Richardson and Ricardo Villalobos Play back to back, you know you get to see Cob- Cobblestone Jazz Live. Um, you get to see Flipping um, Ski Mask perform outside and stuff. I think that'll be pretty sick. And then on Sunday, you get to blast out with all these guys Kink Live, Seth Choxler, Devious One Imaging, Karinan, Tebfield, and Tepfeed, and Volvox. Like, you can't complain. Really can't complain. So big up Fabric for putting it together. It looks absolutely sick and definitely something that I may have to keep my eye on in the up and coming days and months. Next, what we want to mention and want to kind of give an update and just give a shout out to Dead in Tears. Um I feel like it's kind of gone um I'm not say under the radar, but I don't maybe maybe because it's a to be expected and you know, maybe because everyone kind of wears the the flipping jeans with the flipping wreath around them all over the place, right? Everyone kind of is a fan of those. But I feel like over time Tremaine's really kind of knuckled down or refined or just kind of luxed up just what he does overall with in Tears I feel like it's really really kind of hitting its own stride and just very simply not complicated shit just very very simply and I feel like the recent stuff that he put out these flipping patchwork flannel things um which are amazing no sorry I they're like flannel scarves if I'm not mistaken which kind of basically look like a riff on what needles were doing but essentially done in a more I feel like interesting way with these like flannel scarf type of things numbers going on or maybe the the fraying at the ends of the patches or the flannels maybe illustrating the tears kind of motif going on there but to me they kind of look like they are um, flannels that are maybe taken from scarves or whatnot but either way I feel like these are done really really well and the finishing is impeccable um, even though I did like a little bit of the Handmade DIY feel of early denim tier stuff it felt like he was kind of cutting and sewing and making it at home or whatnot I do like this kind of evolution of kind of just refining everything and this latest stuff that he's done has been so good this uh what's it called uh scroll up Uh, this piece patchwork um collection or capsule thing that he's doing which I think is done as well in in part with um flipping what's it called in part with um Levi's is banging if I'm not mistaken let's play the sound here and look at the flipping label also. Look at that label. African Diaspora Goods Denim Tears, established in 1619 like oh. That label is absolutely dumb and silly. Now, I'm just sure if it's a collaboration with Levi's itself, but the collection itself is so, 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 so good. Let's quickly get it up on here so you can see. And of course, the bag also looks absolutely amazing um, that they have available. This bag is absolutely great. This is kind of camp shopper. They've got this Western shirt, but my favorite is this overshirt. That kind of reminds me, you know, of classic overshirts that I've had beforehand with some um, diagonal pockets in the front and this sort of like snap closure here on the on the front as well. But the thing that I love the best about it is the contrast stitching like I have a thing for black and white contrast stitching anyway it's just one of my flipping um guilty plaques not guilty plaques it's, it's, it's one of my achilles heels when it comes to clothing like you give me something nicely made with a flipping patchwork um on it and some contrast stitching I'm gonna be all over it and I feel like this is done so well the shape of it it probably looks like it's gonna be warm as hell it looks like the kind of item that if you wear it day in day out it's gonna wear in incredibly the pants to match just absolutely brilliant really exquisitely well done even the hat looks so so great and i'm sure the hat won't end up looking good on me when i actually finally do put it on my head but i feel like this is done really well and then on top of that it feels like once you follow the link of course to go to them to his website it feels like maybe the success of done tears has been you know, the success and the selling out of stuff. It looks like, you know, he's maybe funneling back all the monies that he's making off of this flipping brand and putting it into just making the experience of the e-commerce site just flow well. I feel like before the e-commerce site was a bit buggy for a little bit, a little bit like HTML code yourself at home. But now it feels like it's been spruced up and just kind of runs properly. And then towards the bottom here of the website I'm looking at online, it says powered by Spotify. And I'm not sure if this is a collab thing, but having known what's happening um, obviously what was widely reported was Supreme moving all this kind of on e-commerce things across the Spotify and leaving Splay it wouldn't surprise me if maybe in-house Spotify have got like a little team of people who go out and reach out to brands and basically trying to get them aboard and try to have them you know ba- maybe give them a really spruced up pro account and always have people on the Shopify side of things who could be their liaison and they kind of go-to person if they have any issues but essentially they can kind of build out their entire store and make sure that it's tight and it runs well so that's that's absolutely amazing to see that that's a thing going on with the site. But if you click the shop itself, I feel like the experience is really smooth and really easy to use. And the shirt, I just wanted to highlight that shirt that I absolutely love because I feel like it's done really well. And also I feel like you can tell the improvement of or the success overall of how the brand is being received by people because the prices feel like they're a lot more manageable or reasonable than they were in previous times. I feel like before maybe because stuff was made maybe made to order slow quantities maybe it was made in local factories maybe it was made handmade at home whatever it may be they kind of had to charge a bit more to make up for the cost but now they kind of you know maybe you've spruce up the manufacturing and production they can afford to price it like you would expect a regular brand would price stuff and this I feel like is a lesson to be learned for people especially kids out there who want to support smaller brands they feel like oh man it's so expensive at the start because I remember even when because I was around when Fear of God first launched and I remember that was one of the early criticism of Fear of God is that they were expensive from out the gate but the whole idea behind Fear of God with Jerry Lorenzo that he kind of founded what he did was that he was trying to fill a, a gap in the market of a particular type of fit of a pant a particular type of fit of a track pant of a t-shirt of a hoodie of a particular type of shorts and it was, it was taking kind of inspiration from a lot of different brands right he took he liked the shorts from Rick Owens he liked maybe the pants and the sh- cut of the shirt or the jacket from um Hedy of Maine's um, Sailing Around Paris at the time there were different bits and pieces of other brands he was taking and kind of using as inspiration to kind of funnel into his own brand but the main reason was hey I can't find these things that are perfect to my you know liking out there and of course other people also like them that's why they sell out and he's become super successful off the back of that brand but they had to start from somewhere and they had to kind of price it quite high because it was being made small quantities it was probably being made locally um, and just unfortunately you know those kind of things are going to be quite expensive but if you ride with them over time the quality standards will improve and you will also most notably be able to get something that you can kind of not say afford but it's a little bit more reasonable in terms of a price going forward so I think that's what they kind of saw with um, with Denim Tears and that's what obviously you see with with them flipping them what's great fear of God and I feel like this shirt is a good example of it with it being the piece of padded the peace, peace, sorry. Patchwork padded jacket being two hundred and eighty five pounds um it's something that you wouldn't have probably seen when when didn't Tears first launched. And again, the, the shirt the shirt jacket thing is just impe- impeccable. I love everything about it, man. It's absolutely fantastic. So I just wanted to give those guys a shout out. And you know, it's great to see them doing great things here. This is made of hundred percent cotton with a quilted lining. This is more than jacket; it's a shirt, and it fits slightly oversized. So yeah, big up them. And clearly, they've been doing great things. What size is available? Yeah, see, selling out really well. Extra small medium are already out of stock and i'm sure medium large and excel and double XL probably be out of stock very soon also but yeah big up um denim tears. we can see the quality of it improving over time all the time and it's getting better and better and more refined and clearly clearly he's becoming you know basically occupying a league of his own when it comes to these sort of things so i love to see it i'm not gonna lie i absolutely love to see it oh yeah and then next let's talk about these so I want to quickly mention this because I feel like I'm going a bit mad over here. I see on social media especially on Twitter, Sneaker Twitter being the prime example of it. I see loads of people going absolutely goo goo over these Action Bronson's um, New Balance 990 V6s and to me personally, they look a bit crap. They look a bit underwhelming. If anything I just don't understand the hype around them at all. Again, big fan of Action Bronson. Think he's an absolute sick dude. Love his shows they did on Vice. Love his journey that he's going through with weight loss and generally he's a pretty decent rapper in terms an artist overall something that I can definitely put in put on in the background on a Sunday and chill out and do my thing with but this in terms of a new band's collaboration I'm just not getting down with it as slight I don't like them whatsoever personally and I'm actually a big fan of the 990V6's um, personally apart from people not really liking them but I actually like the updated um, shape and obviously silhouette of them overall but I just don't understand the hype of them online people getting crazy for them so it says here despite the fact that the idea has cancelled his friends and family um, Ultra Boost collaboration Ultra boost is still action bronzer, sorry, still managed to stay close to the realm of footwear collaborations by exciting by executing exciting a partnership with New Balance back in September the American rapper and foodie quietly teased his forthcoming creation by rocking his collaborative pair during an AWE wrestling match fast forward a couple of months later he's now taken to Instagram to provide us with an initial look at the pair now don't get me wrong Action Brunch wearing them himself in this amazing fit that he's got on with his Crocodilo flipping shirt and his Nike socks which is funny with a pair of New Balances. for me being an avid and a long term and an OG (laughs) sneakerhead as the kids like to say um, you can't be wearing Nike socks with new, with new Balances. You can't be wearing Nike socks with anything that's not Nike. Personally, but hey, what do I know? So him in this fit looks amazing. You know the T-shirt, the right length, just underneath the sweatshirt, the right length for shorts, and just in generally as a bigger dude, Action brunson has got swiped for fucking days. So big up him. He makes him look great. But to me. They look pretty shocking. I'm not gonna lie; they don't look that great. I'm not that interested in, them in the slightest. Anything anything. You know what screams to them at me? You know what I get when I see these shoes? They just feel like a New Balance ID. Do you remember early on when Nike ID came about and they had that bespoke program where you could go into the Nike store and you could add luxe materials and finishes and different eyelets and different color laces and stuff, and you could really spruce your clothes, your sorry, your sneakers up in the way you wanted to to spruce them up and they kind of usually um, offered you the Air Force One as the base model usually the low and you know the Air Force One model you'd imagine with the you know with the balance paneling in terms of it being kind of simple on the upper and stuff you'd imagine it's a pretty easy colour to like colorway, right to fill in No, no, no! This is why the colorway experts do get paid what they paid, and this is why collaborations go off crazy. Because the regular person, given an unlimited amount of colors, an unlimited amount of materials, to a certain extent, and a silhouette as easy as an Air Force One to color in and to fill in, will fuck it up. And we saw loads of early examples of people's IDs on Nike, like God damn it, man! You paid two hundred pounds to get that shipped to you. You waited eight weeks for that nonsense that of that flipping, you know, rainbow flipping diarrhea that you. Flipping spread all over your flipping shoe is absolutely crazy, and to me, these kind of look similar to it. It kind of has a feel of a bit of a Nike idea shoe now, or in a New Balance ID. Now, it would be quite interesting if this is actually the whole point, if the point of this shoe was to maybe introduce a new New Balance id my ids my mbs um individual custom type of program that'd be pretty cool if they use the 990 um, v6s as a silhouette and actually wanted to push them but i feel like this is an official collab this is like as official as a fucking stray rats collab would be this isn't like some random you know pe that they've kind of given him or whatnot this is a shoe that's going to go into retail it's going to go into stores and shit oh my god oh my god i have to stop this i gotta stop i gotta stop you know, it's, you know it's amazing i just figured out i'm not sure if this is like his pair or if this is somebody else's pair that they've kind of got on the screen i'm just watching them now i'm looking at them if you're not listening to the if you're not watching the show you're not going to know what i see here but the first thing i'm kind of seeing here this is maybe the first time ever that i've covered shoes that are due to come out and i've seen them laced correctly they're actually laced correctly now this might be because actual bros is actually a sneakerhead and he's from that cloth but oh my god they actually laced correctly you got the bottom bar here straight. You got them going up an angle here, creating this kind of V shape. But they go over there and then they go under here on the left foot. Then, if you scroll across to the right foot, the V goes over there on the left foot, and the other lace comes underneath there and it follows through all the way up to the top, even underneath the flipping eye um, stays or the lace stays, whatever they're called. Oh, my God. Okay, props to Action Bronson for getting that done. Or whoever owns this pair for lacing them correctly. Hallelujah, man. It doesn't take much. Instead of that awful kind of factory kind of choke lace system they got going on that comes straight from the factory floor. This look great. Okay, I take it back. The laces look great. The colorway I'm still not that fan of. Um, you've got this, like, really weird combination of, like, a somewhat what do you call it? like a forest, like a forest green, like a foss like a moss type of colorway. That's like in a suede. So over time, that will end up looking kind of greyish. Like I'm not really too fond of that. Then you got a brown bits of leather here. You've got neon green mesh. You've got um what looks like it's like a griddled um plastic grey um swoosh. do only thing I think that's a good idea that he did here. Is a little pop on the laces. I think these tubular purple and lilac-y type laces are a really good pop they added on. That's like someone that's got a bit of an eye that rec- like realizes you know, how laces can kind of change the look of your shoe and just kind of give it a little bit of a sprass. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the the Dave Smith. Um, what you call it, the stash um, Air Force, Nike Air Max 90s actually, from, or maybe Air Max 90s are like 95 inspired from back in the day. If you know, you know. They kind of remind me a little bit of those. And you also got the green eyelets here that kind of look a little bit similar. And then the midsole is the one that's a bit confusing. You've got these three different cues of blue going on here. You've got this kind of navy blue. You've got this sort of like, you know, what do you call this? Uh, uh Sky blue. And then you've got maybe the Sweetway Blue or the Ocean Blue, whatever it may be. And then you've got this addition here, this kind of like icy um, blue outsole that reminds you of a Reebok workout. And at the end, you've got this really big hit of a fluorescent orange. Maybe to keep you honest in terms of reminding you of your kind of working class roots on construction sites. I'm not really too sure. But either way, the color combination, especially just this bit here from the moss green to the blue, I'm not a fan of. And that, that bit on top. I think by themselves, this midsole is quite cool by themselves this mudguard that goes around it is also cool by itself maybe this section here is okay but i feel like in combination it just don't work It's just too much going on here which is what makes me feel like it's a nike id shoe or it's what happens when new balance tells you hey here's a fucking archive here's a pantone color book um here's the flipping materials lab Here's some of our designers, do what you want. And then you kind of get a little bit overawed. Oh, it's a bit too much. You don't know what to do, how to pick. And you end up picking just everything under the sun. Like, it feels like every color you could pick apart from black is on here. You even got a different color green on the inside of the mesh. Like, god damn it, is that so many colors here? Anyway, let's go back to the article again, see if I can get more information. It says, Phase Initiative. Action Bronson worked on the popular sportswear company on a wild um, New Balance N nine zero V six makeup. The matchup of this high spirited personality has taken the dad shoe and spruced it up with a multicolor orchestration. Okay, you know, them talking nonsense here. Uh Tongue swaps, tongue swap out the traditional new balance moniker for the Backlever here hit that references the recently launched digital marketplace titled Back of a Flea Market and also blah blah blah. So, let's see what the recent update is on these. The recent update, as of usual, has been following our initial preview, actually brought some colorway. Uh, Poggy has really revealed a closer look. Poggy's wearing a pair. Release details have been have not been disclosed, aside from the previously stated um, release year. So okay, this is, these are Poggy's pictures. Okay, that's why maybe they're laced properly because Poggy's been around and he knows where I go on. But still. I'm not that big of a fan of them. I don't get the hype. They look a little bit underwhelming to me. Look at people just hyping them for the sake of hyping them. And you know, you've know, you got like the wrong type of New Balance influencers kind of riding for them. Like the Matt Welty's from the fucking complex sneaker show who anything New Balance make, he's gonna ride. So it just doesn't really give me any sort of hope that these are nice in any, any way, shape, or form. And anybody that I know that I like, who I respect their taste, you know, aren't necessarily jacking them. But I feel like there's been this concentrated effort to pretend that like these are nice and these look good. To me, they just look like really horrible ids um that people made in maybe the early 2000s so i'm gonna pass on these personally but hey you know i'm sure no one's gonna be kept up late with my review on those ones (laughs) next we want to talk about this i think it's quite interesting obviously there's been a lot of news online about kanye and adidas for some reason whatever it may be people are just now waking up to the idea that adidas have you know basically got 500 million dollars worth of yeezy stock that they don't know what to do with i think it was quite a widely reported this was happening anyway before they cancelled the deal this was one of the sticking points or one of the hurdles that had to come over they had to come uh, you know come over or go over or whatever that that term is um, essentially deciding hey are Kanye West anti-Semitic uh, you know comments bad enough to make us be okay with writing off this exorbitant amount of money you know nearly blood like, basically half a billion and maybe f- and maybe more because we don't align and we don't kind of endorse what he's saying like should we really be doing it should we really be cutting ourselves by our face or should we weather the storm keep it quiet and then sell and then slowly but surely over time quietly kind of Remove ourselves from the deal because that could happen also. But I guess because of public pressure, maybe because of people actually in the company themselves, I feel like this is one of the first deals that you see with a celebrity, especially someone like Kanye, who's really big and clearly somebody who's got a lot of influence, who can sell a lot of stuff, and is somebody that could bring a lot of value to most companies. I think this is one of the first times where sometimes even the talent wasn't enough to put up with his behavior. And I feel like he legitimately pissed off people on the inside, like actual people. And I think I come to think of him um, or I remember one particular incident where that was really unfortunate for Kanye, maybe not, maybe yes, who knows, but during his whole whole war, that was a time as well where he, um, where he got, yeah, his bank got closed. So I think he's JP Morgan bank. I think, so. if I'm not mistaken, maybe Chase bank, regardless, his bank that he does most of his, um, banking with for years, he got closed. So I'm assuming all the money coming in from years, he goes on there, everybody deals, whatever it may be. And, also, one, and then he started attacking the bank online and kind of ranting around and kind of being, you know, angry that a account got closed. And then he started posting the the sweeping, um in boardroom lineup of people that work at the bank or whatnot and then I guess one of the people that works at the bank is also a really high-ranking Adidas um, executive I think of some Asian lady and um, so I think he singled her out also so you can only imagine you know the kind of beef he was in at the time he was really going to war with these executives so the executive just had enough they said you know what we're going to end the deal and you don't really get that usually sometimes you get a lot of kind of public pressure from brands and journalists and maybe the public pushing the brands to make a decision and then maybe you know they just get fed up of having to deal with it and just say you know what, enough let's just end it but very rarely do you get a brand saying you know what we just don't like you as a person we're going to end it ourselves like you can go and jump off a flipping bridge we hate you and that's what happened to Kanye so unfortunately for him it happened what can you do anyway so this story has been doing the rounds that I don't really know where this came from because so far no one's really no one's really confirmed it and no one's really denied it and no one's really kind of dismissed it. So this is a watching a Post. that says, hey, this is a $500 million worth of Kanye West sneakers and no good options. And then you've got this other story here from the Rob Report that says Yeezy could set fire to $500 million of unused Yeezys. But then you've also got other stories that are saying that Kanye... Could be doing a deal with Adidas. Like, this could be a new deal on the horizon coming up, which is weird, right? Um, let's go here. So, this is courtesy of Excel. Again, no good sources for this, but this is what people are saying. It says, Kanye West and Adidas reached an agreement to sell $500 million worth of remaining Yeezy stocks. So, let's go back to the Washington Post article. It says shortly after an um, NFL star Michael Vick was indicted in July 2007 from running a dogfighting operation, Nike suspended the release of his sh- sorry of his signature shoe line. Vick went on to plead guilty and have his contract suspended, but less clear is what exactly happened to all those sneakers. Nike would not say. Of course, they burned them like Burberry burned all their shit. Um, but industry analyst Matt Powell believes they destroyed it. Um, believes it destroyed the supply of Air Zoom Vick Fives. What they even look like, actually? I never, knew, I never knew what they end up looking like. Do we get an idea? What did they, what did they miss out on? What did the Air Zoom Vic fours look like? Oof, bit tough in it. To be fair, maybe they didn't lose out on much because these look kind of kind of horrible. Not gonna lie, but big up Michael Vick, regardless. Um, Adidas now has a similar dilemma with the Yeezy line. Observers say, except on a scale unseen in the fashion industry moms after cutting ties with rapper and fashion designer Kanye West over his flagrant anti-semitism, the German company on February 19th warned they was looking for massive losses if it could not sell its inventory, raising questions about its options for the now-tated brand, including literally burning the shoes. The funny thing is so many of these AEG executives were flexing and talking big game, like we own the IP, we can sell it without the Yeezy branding, which I thought was a bit dumb but also could work because I think there's more fans of Yeezys who don't really give a fuck about Kanye as a opposed to all Yeezy fans being Kanye stands, myself included I love the guy I love his artistry Street, love how his motivational speaking he is and all that malarkey but I'm not that much of a stand that I'm not going to buy the Yeezys because Kanye got you know unceremoniously booted because he said he flipping loves Hitler I'm not really that bothered about it but at the time, a lot of the executives were flexing, acting as if like it wouldn't be that much of a big deal. Now look at them, crying everywhere. That significant shift from its outlook in November when officials said that they could recoup exactly a vast majority of losses by rebranding their distinctive shoes with retail from roughly $200 to nearly $600 and selling them at a discount. How dumb would that be? If they just would have, they could have just easily, in my opinion, they could have if they wanted to. I think this would have worked. They could have dropped the shoes every week until they ran out, on this main Yeezy supply site or a site similar, and just had them set out just on that basis. Just every other week, drop a drop a whole new batch of shoes. Whatever's left over, you kind of you kind of you know remove them from the site. Drop another batch. Keep doing it every other week, and they would have easily sold out. Resellers would have copped them. Fans like myself would have copped them. It would have been an easy thing to d- get done, to be honest. You could have closed that chapter and kind of moved on. But in disregard, it's all a bit weird. Um, because how much are you going to offer Kanye in this new deal? What's his role? What are you meant to do? Is you meant to come out and say, "Hey, it's okay. It's okay. My stands and my flipping, you know, loyal fan base out here. Adidas are still cool. Buy the shoes. Buy the shoes." Like, what? You're going to pay him to basically be an ambassador and an influencer and a spokesperson or like a propaganda agent or something to kind of make it seem like it's all chill and it's not. Anyway, it says here. The predicament offers a glimpse of what happens when a fashion line meets a sudden end. An experts say the decision, which Adidas has said, is still months away, will especially be challenging because the company faces ethical and financial trip- tripwires at every turn. Newly installed CEO Bjorn Golden signaled this month that the company might not sell any existing product which analysts valued from $300 to $500 million. The company said it could lose much of its 1.2 million euros um, billion euros, sorry, in revenue this year and 500 billion euros in operating profit it cannot um, repurpose the merchandise. He's quote, um no, a quote from another analyst said, What makes this so dramatic is how big it is, said Wedbush analyst Tom Nickett, noting that the UDG brand was doing nearly 2 billion a year in revenue. Holy shit, that's a really big, substantial part right <laughs> This is business and abruptness, which has happened is also remarkable. That's why I felt even at the time, I was like, I think that's why Kanye maybe had so much confidence because I think any serial biz- any real serious, hard nosed, you know, emotionless landlord s businessman would have never cut ties with Kanye. They would just, re- they would just let it ride out. Like if, but then Shygo read out with flipping Demda, right, and that flipping kiddie diddling BDSM thing, then they could have easily rid out the anti semitic thing. I know at the time it was wild, but. That's what a real businessman would do. They would have just read it out. They would have cut, put their head in the sand. They would have put out vague statement after vague statement saying loads of words, but not really saying anything. They would have said we're, we're for, for everybody, we're for love. They would have said everything. They would have, said, they would have done what, what Kim Kardashian did, where she didn't publicly come out and disavow Blencherger, but basically said, we're working on something and we are you know making sure this doesn't happen again. Basically, never disavowed them, even though she, they did stuff with kids, right? And she's trying to pretend to be Mother Teresa. It was like, nah, let's just keep it's business. You keep that vague, you keep that tight, you keep your council and then when the coast is clear, you pop back out again. That's what they probably should have done the company ended this relationship with the entertainer who now goes by yay in late october following a string of controversies beginning with him appearing in a white lives matter t-shirt at his Paris fashion week show days later he made the anti-semitic comments on instagram and twitter and it doubled down on the rhetoric in the podcast he honored a personal interview with fox news with tucker carlson of political leaders and Jewish organizations condemned the artist and called out aidas which was a slower to act than any of his business partners because they had much more on the line of course they were best and jp morgan chase that's the bank i mentioned another company piece of ending relationship with him weeks later and gap announced it would no longer carry spot. Yeah, the gap the gap ending felt a little bit more personal. I felt gap was probably more personal than Agnes. I feel like Gap he already was on a tightrope. I don't think they liked him overall. I feel if you still has leaked um Meetings with um, executives, where for every reason, Kanye doesn't like sitting down in meetings. He likes to stand up, so he's shouting at them and saying his stuff and just being angry at the drops and the lack of change in retail. Because I guess Gap just didn't want to do what he wanted to do. I think they wanted to have a you know a celebrity collaboration because it helped them sell some more items. But I think Gap are one of those countries. There's a few of them exist where they are kind of just happy doing what they're doing. Even though they probably could innovate, it probably could help them if they kind of spruce things up a bit. They're just happy, kind of trudging along. And you know, Kanye came in and tried to take a hammer to everything, and they're like, "No, no, 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 no! Everything around here is a nail, my friend. Relax. We're doing pretty well. We're not doing as well as maybe you'd want us to do, or maybe as well as we probably could. But we're content. You know what I mean? All our executives and our and our flipping partners and stuff get paid on time. Everyone's getting their bonuses. Stores are still open. We're not letting go of our retail staff. You know what I mean? They're they're decent." So I feel like when he pissed them off, they're like, you know what? Let's get him the fuck out of here. He thinks he's owned this place. He thinks he run this place. No, 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 no. We were here before Kanye would we'll be here after him. And that's where I feel like they cut that quickly. Like they got the stuff out of the shop floors fast. All the advertising gone, done, done, did And they just shipped all the shit off to China. And it all ended up on flipping Taobao for fingers, for a while. Then that got taken down. And you know now I don't know where that stuff has ended up. Um, ades could still move forward with a plan to sell the merchandise at discount without the label said nikik um transforming them into something of zombie yeezys <laughs> hilarious but that's quite frankly a frisky p- proposition says Nicky. not really man i think they underestimate sneakerheads honestly you put that stuff out there like i said you put a whole you put together a release calendar of yeezys or maybe you don't tell people you just tell people the first week um, you, t- you give them seven days or five days ahead of time, um, heads up, you drop them, you give them 24 hours or a weekend to, to pay and to put their orders in, whatever sells out, sells out, but then you know, next Monday you start with a new fresh batch of shoes, you do that every other week, I guarantee you, you'll sell a lot of those units, a lot. Another option is liquidating the remaining merchandises through discount stores at TJ Maxx or selling it by a pound to a go between who could then distribute it to retailers in developing countries, said Mark Cohen, a Columbia University Director of Retail Studies. That's going to be crazy. Something so valuable ended up at TJ Maxx's, like not the odd pair, like absolute, like not even the odd shitty pairs like I just see here. But actual legit pairs, like not the quantums and shit or was I think the three eighties or whatever they called the basket ones. Actual good ones end up there is gonna be riled. Um experts said the liquidation is a normal part of the retail business. For example, All Birds Shoe Company announced in August that it would be liquidating t- nearly twelve million dollars um, in clothing after unsuccessful pushing active wear leggings. Imagine buying all wear leggings, man. Whoever 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 did that deal, or ever pushed that forward as an initiative, they probably got fired, I'm assuming. You can't be pushing all birds who make already terrible shoes to then get into fucking active wear and then it flops. You can't keep your job, surely you'd imagine so anyway it continues the company did not respond to the questions about how the products were, dis- were dispersed Cohen is convinced the Yeezys will eventually find their way to consumers almost everything you can imagine that is manufactured in the world is sold somewhere somehow at some price and those high value Kanye West sneakers are going to wind up on people's feet maybe people who value the Kanye Association or people who don't care they just want fresh clean modern footwear another option is to destroy the shoes and pr- pr- practice some, that some experts say is common in the industry despite our Environmental concerns. Nike cut shoes in decided not to sell at the store in new york soho other fashion brands such as coach victoria secret louis vuitton have seen negative concern in recent for destroying their merchandise in the effort to preserve the value of the brand yeah they don't throw them in the bin they burn them burberry used to do that thing a lot in 2019 city burberry said it ended practice of sort of merchandises that it wants to destroy some 37 million worth imagine hating people imagine hating poor people so much that you're willing to burn 37 million dollars instead of just giving it away but anyway, said it would be the worst outcome and one that makes a literal financial sense and comes with its own public relations pitfalls. Elizabeth Napier, an assistant professor at the University of Toledo, who has studied how fashion companies dispose unsold products, said the best option for would be to donate the shoes to a disaster relief. <laughs> Yo, university lecturers have no idea what to talk about. Assistant professor, Elizabeth Napier, you need to go and take a nap yourself, my dear. That is an incredibly bad idea. Donate them to where? They're still going to resell them. Do you think people that work in flipping charities and places want to be dealing with unsold pairs of Yeezys? They'd resell them and then give the, and put that money into the charity they're working for. Or there's probably resellers that work there also. This is crazy. I don't know why they don't just come up with right, right now and do that. Because it's a bad idea, Napier. Um, The issue speaks to the inherent risk of the celebrity deals, Cohen said, which rely on the consistencies of the star's talent and popularity. These sometimes um, personally take a left or right turn, which leaves their counterparty in a blind side and the behaviour they're exhibiting doesn't align with the host's company values and his guess is endlessly tricky. Yeah, this is probably why that Travis Scott... Unfortunately, that Astro World tragedy is probably going to hurt Travis Scott more than anything his career has ever, you know. He's never going to do his career because Travis was always seen as like a cookie cutter, brand friendly guy. But when that Astro that World travesty happened, and he, subsequently how he acted about it, and just his lack of maybe concern and empathy about the whole thing, and just his need to kind of get back on stage and put albums out, and all that malarkey, and then obviously the you know, finding out how badly organized that festival was. It's gonna make other brands aligning themselves with him really difficult because immediately people are gonna always mention in a copy what happened at Astro World, or you know it's gonna be tainted with that a little bit, and maybe the sentiment around him is kind of changed. So that's the issue. But I feel like if you're collaborating with Kanye, somebody of that level and that notoriety, I just feel like you're going into it knowing the risk, and you should be willing to accept it and just kind of weather the storm and just keep your head down and it'll go away because it did go away. It took a long while time. I know he went out to Alex Jones and he was saying loads of madness but eventually he got quiet again, right? He, even he got bored of himself and I feel like if you're a business and you're in the business of selling things, you can't be picking and choosing who you sell things of based on their political or societal leanings. You just have to kind of go with it. Unfortunately, unless you do one of those kind of brands that I says, no. Nah, I don't work with people who don't agree with the things I agree with. But I think overall it's a bit of a bad way to go about things, personally for me. Nike, which ended up um, resigning Vic in 2011, saying the whole athlete acknowledged, saying the athlete at the time acknowledged his past mistakes. So they're going to, to buck dance. Nice. In dogfighting, recently faced another dilemma in October after Kyrie Evan tweeted the photo and linked to and refused to do a disavowed anti Semitic film. The Oregon based sneaker giant eventually cut ties to the NBA star and said they would not release a Kyrie irving the Kyrie sorry eights which is hilarious considering who else they've got signed there at the moment in the statements to the post nike said it was prioritizing the recycling Kyrie eight products although it did not say how nike's program to transform clothes um no transform what is considered unsellable inventory into materials for things like chin floors and even other shoes it's unclear whether Adidas has considered that option but endless said it would be losing uh, one Adidas uh, only gained some goodwill by donating a few basketball courts, no matter what he does, Powell says they're losing all the way around, there are no winners of this one, so the only winner will be Yay, of course, because if he does work out some deal, even if it's just a deal, just kind of just like, I don't know, even if it's just a deal like to just give him money, or to kind of just end whatever court case is, maybe still ongoing, he's still going to view this as a victory, right, because they said he was cancelled, they said you know, because he just went to prove the fact that, there's nothing he can or cannot say, yeah you know i mean he can say whatever he wants to say and he said it and life hasn't really changed that much for him really do you know what i mean Whoever he's fr- he didn't really probably he probably knew who his real friends were ever since he kind of said he loved trump and trump was his dad so him losing celebrity friends wasn't a big deal he probably lost them back then so you know that life is pretty much done he seems to have a pretty small circle he just travels around with his wife really assistants that's it really for the most part maybe design studio people he kind of keeps his counsel so If there is a winner, it's definitely yay. And of course, his fans are going to be gloating as hell if this ends up going through as well. But yeah, weird thing no one's really confirmed or denied it which again i think speaks to the fact that it's maybe in the works and it's up in the air i think this goes to speak to because no one really come out by either side and really said we haven't got a deal it's not happening they've kind of just let the news kind of play out but no one's obviously standing by either most people kind of reporting that thing are mostly kind of you know blogs and like um hip-hop type platforms are reporting that they've got a deal in place but you know you see anywhere reputable saying that that deal is happening but The fact that no one's coming and denying it also shows to me that clearly there's some sort of, you know, um, appetite for it because they want to make a deal because, you know, no one wants to write off half a billion if you don't have to. So that makes a lot of sense. But I just don't see the sense in getting him on board uh, just to sell some shoes, even though you don't really want him on board. And then what's he meant to do? Like, how's he meant to rah rah people to get them? I don't know. It's just a bit of a strange one that they're kind of going with. But again, what do I know? Next question I want to mention this just to kind of give a quick little um, shout out to my guy, uh, Matthew Williams at Givenchy. I thought this new collection that he put together for fall 2023 was maybe one of his best visually. I had a quick scan of it before I was starting the show and I immediately liked what I see. And I think if anything, this kind of reminds you, this kind of solidifies my point I mentioned before. I think I was speaking about the Heron Preston show at New York Fashion Week. He went back to New York Fashion Week, which is amazing because, you know, Heron Preston, I feel like, you know, his roots and what he's kind of known for are intrinsically tied to New York. So it's good to see him go there instead of kind of going, well, the popular kids go into Paris even though it's probably got more exposure and whatnot there. I think that the New York collection is really amazing. But one thing I didn't like about that collection that he presented in New York Fashion Week was that it was too and again this is coming from an average streetwear guy right I'm the streetwear guy I love streetwear that's been my thing for ages I'll take streetwear over fashion any day of the week and it's something that I kind of hold dear to my heart and I get annoyed when I see these streetwear guys who eventually make it to the runaways disavowing streetwear and saying "Oh, streetwear wasn't really the thing I wanted to do I want to do fashion and it kind of poo poo it but I feel like streetwear is to me one of the best avenues for people who actually want to make clothes to kind of get into making clothes because it allows you to kind of go in all sorts of different directions but I also respect what Fashion is the capital F, and I feel like runways, especially fashion weeks in general, should be a place to sort of like wanderlust and kind of exhibit and create and go a bit crazy, or maybe just kind of you know offer something different than what you maybe do with your regular stuff. and I feel like Karen Preston should probably adopt what Matthew Williams of as Givenchy, especially what he's doing now with his kind of quote unquote women's wear line, and just kind of offer something a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fashion esque, a little bit more subtle, a little bit more sleek. Um, than what his usual offerings are like that you kind of know are known for. And I feel like that's be the best way to kind of showcase your broad range of skills and what you kind of offer your clientele and just to kind of set the levels a little bit. Because I feel like the hair and press stuff's getting a little bit repetitive, getting a little bit boring. And I don't really think it's got that's that's its place, the stuff that he presents should be in a runway. Like I look at hair and press maybe similar to like Acne Studios. Acne Studios, what they present on the runway isn't what you get on the online store it's like two different things but it's kind of the same label so I feel like maybe you should present that kind of streetwear stuff in a lookbook but then on the runway it's like quote-unquote what you'd imagine fashion to be like there's something to, there's some looks of it that I like that here in person but I feel like not in general and I feel like this collection from, from Matthew Williams and Givenchy is a good example of how to do this because I'm sure in store if you still want a hoodie if you still want a studded cap if you still want some core cool boots you could get it but on the runway, he's got some great overcoats. Um, there's some great dresses there, some great dresser blazers. Um, I love this, the, the, the mesh on the other side. The length of the sleeves is absolutely impeccable on some of these looks here. The great styling. Again, I don't know who's styling Givenchy nowadays or working with Matthew Williams, but I feel like they're doing a really good job. I think even the, the couple previous mens shows we chose were styled impeccably. Even some of the items were that great. I think the styling kind of helps to spruce them up really well here. You've got some really great mini skirt type-esque looking looks here going on you got some great use of color like this look here number 11 I'm not sure if that's Kai Gerber and I don't, I don't know if that is her I don't think that is but no, look number 11 of this show this fall 2023 look from Givenchy by Matthew Williams is great like I don't think you'd be able to know if no one if you didn't know what brand it was I don't think you could tell if this was Givenchy maybe any of these looks maybe you would tell this but I don't think you'd tell number 11 this is really nice very 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 well done for Matthew Williams and again I've have been a long fan I've been a long time of fan of him because I feel like from the entire group of people who made it from that kind of you know school of Virgil school of Kanye I feel like he's the one who I feel like had the most to prove because he wasn't he didn't necessarily maybe he was driving force behind Ben Trill and shit obviously he did some stuff with Lady Gaga and they were together in terms of costume design but I never really thought like he presented that or maybe gave us an inkling that he had it that he was that guy but then as soon as Alix drops you're like "Raw, this is really good isn't it off the bat like he came out of the gate strong but then when he got into Givenchy I also felt like maybe the Alix thing the maybe heavy reliance on what you'd call street wear or modern wear whatever casual wear it maybe would seep through and it'd be a bit too casual and of course considering what Givenchy were like and where they needed resuscitation I feel like he's done a really good job even though some of the you know fashion twitter people aren't necessarily the biggest fans of his i feel like he does get some unnecessary stick cuz i feel like the stuff is really strong um i love everything about it good shapes good dresses good cuts good accessories the sh- the shoes are really nice um this angular, aggressive, almost like pin arrow type design on the boots is really good. The sleeve, the uh, length of the sleeves of some of these looks is really, really, really nice. Great styling, great layering. There's a look here, number 24, there's like maybe three or four layers on it's even the same with look 23. you got the overcoat, you've got some sort of bag, maybe they're wearing here the back. you got a jacket or shirt with a with a kind of rumpled collar. Maybe it's a catsuit altogether. you got these great shoes. Like, this is, oh, look at look number 27. That's hard as hell. That's something you'd expect to see from Matthew Williams. You've got this great layering. You've got this kind of like an amazing texture thing he does on his jeans. Kind of reminds you of what, you know, John Takashi did with these undercover scab pants and shit. Um, you've got some great little hardware details here on the side hanging off, you know, coats with hoodies and shit. This is a quintessential, like, basically Matthew Williams look. This might be his muse, essentially. But then the rest is really different. You know what I mean? I love everything about this. Really, really nicely done. There's like a re-engineered, what does that look like? A baseball jacket of some sort here. Same here. This kind of reminds me, a little weird to say, but this sort of reminds me of like a Sean John look, number 30. There's like a collection, maybe one of his collections they did on the runway. There's like a look like this, I think, of Sean John. And I'm just thinking, maybe maybe it's Tom Ford. I'm not really sure. Imagine me, imagine me confusing Sean John and Tom Ford. And then, so it starts off very, very, um, Surprising, like you wouldn't expect from my feelings, and it kind of ends in stuff that you would expect my feelings to be making in terms of these kind of com- cargoy type pants that he has going on here with the hardware bits hanging off of them. I think they look like bondage pants, a little bit, or parachute, or sorry, like an ode to maybe Vivian Westwood. Um, and that sort of nod to her, but they look really well done. Look at these glasses and these bits of jewelry, the use of green, and again, it's a different sort of hue from the Bottega green, it's sort of like a little bit more washed out. Um I love that a little bit more dyed out, the colour palette's like look at these shapes man, this is really good. Matthew Williams is getting better and better. And again, this is the key to it, because he's got the youth in his hands, he's got the cultural zeitgeist there, his fingers in the pulse, he's in the mix, he's young. Give the guy time and he'll eventually put together a good collection. A good together a good concise collection and show growth. And look at this. No theatrics, no craziness on the runway, just a well-lit cube and loads of amazing pieces walking down a catwalk. There's over, wow, Let how many looks there are, 50, 60. Jesus Christ, so many good collections here, so many good looks here overall. And of course, you see my Williams at the end there with his kind of signature um, buy thing that he does now with the two flipping with the peace sign there. I feel it's great overall. I'm a, I'm a fan of it all. Um, I love it quickly read over the review see what he's saying it says she is given one of the big five in the canon of French of fashion sorry French fashion but unlike Chanel's societally trailblazing menswear appropriation Dior's epoch shift okay too many blabbering here Until to mens menswear show Matthew M. Williams efforts to mesh his design and identity with that of the house profile or mostly thwarted first by the COVID house um sorry firstly by the COVID's cause and possibility of connecting with the audience with his collection then by over-elaborate collections that were too bombastically presented and they banned rainstorm. now however he seems to have struck upon an effective recipe through which appetizingly bend himself with the house that Hubert built today's show again took place in the Ecole Militaire um, pleasingly closed and focused in Givenchy's white box It repeat elements of January's menswear formula while adding fresh women's specific elements again with the um, open with the baseline of wasted coat tailoring Oh, is coat black co- sorry um, which some looks of one to five was crafted in a couture atelier okay that's interesting so some of this was done by the couture okay um, defining elements were generous box pleats and back and two inward facing button down pleats running down each side of the jacket or coats these are totally created different faded and favours and then came two leather bouncer jackets one black one purple that the paradigm pieces of his Williams 2.0 face of Chivon sheet Let's see what other things he says. Quotes. we so he got quotes from him? Did he speak at the back here? What did he say? Um... But, but, but what he actually said himself A printed fabric overlaid mesh dress With a gated, um, with a gathered neckline Was Williams conceded possibly an inadvertent Echo of Gianni Versace's design language All respected the greats for sure um, Some more did okay, he said that was you he say, not many com- comments from him directly He says here, sitting front row alongside Gerald now several stops into his Post Gucci tour was Karine Reutfeld Who has been consulting with Williams And Givenchy on women's wear, no wonder It was so good then, huh that little bit of panache, a little bit of refinement. If anything, even the hair and makeup is very Kareen Reutfeld, isn't it? Interesting. It says, said Williams of Interaction, um, we have a dialogue about making desirable clothes. I'm so inspired by women around me. And, you know, spending so much time with Kareen. she understands the house so well. We literally just talk about clothes. With Reutfeld, Williams is shaping a Givenchy women's identity that contains multi-generational, continent-striding multitudes. I love this man, that's a great marriage isn't it, maybe he needed that, that's what he needed just that muse, that sounding board that bit of insight, that little bit of chic, because that's one thing about Karen Ruffo. she's a very chic woman right? very good looking, very well put together An older lady that's kind of got a finger on the pulse and somebody that's old but also got a young heart as well um loads of experience and whatnot like that'll be a great person to kind of marry up with so whoever did that and pulled her in in general did a great job that's a really really good idea but yeah enjoyed everything about it um Givenchy 4 2023 ready to wear check it out if you haven't already before definitely definitely one of my favorites so far that I've seen Big up Matthew M Williams for proving the doubt was wrong and also being one of my favorites so that is it for me, actually, of the Action Show episode number 650. Thanks again for tuning in. It's been a great one, as per usual. I'll be back again very, very soon, very, very sharpest. So if you have enjoyed this show and you do like it, you know what to do, share it and all that good stuff, I'd be greatly appreciated. Of course, links regarding myself can be found in the description. You'll hear a nice tune of the day if you listen to the audio track. But if you are li- watching this via YouTube, you won't. Unfortunately, it'll just fade to black. And I'll see you guys again very soon. Take care, be safe, and... Peace, my friends. She came from Greece, she had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that the depth was loaded. I said in that case of my room with Coca-Cola. She said, Fine. And then in 30 seconds time, she said, I want to live like common people I want to do whatever common people do want to sleep with common people I want to sleep with common people like you oh, What else could I do? I said, oh, I'll see what I can do I took it to a supermarket There I said pretend you've got no money And she just laughed and said Are oh, you so funny? I said yeah I can't see anyone else smiling Are you sure? You want to live like common people You want to see whatever common people see want to sleep with common people You want to sleep with Common people like me, but she didn't understand. And she just smiled and held my hand. A winter flat trip over the shop, a cajole.